Hello and welcome to Randy in Real Life. I'm glad you're here. If you are listening to this podcast, this audio, I'm simultaneously recording a Facebook live video. You can go and check that out on Facebook. And if you just prefer to listen to audio, then enjoy it. I will ask this, if you would, if you could watch this video or listen to the audio until the end, because there are several real important things that I want to share tonight. And I'd just like for you better follow through and until the end, don't jump off. I mean, I'll try to keep it as interesting as I can, as concise as I can, so I don't bore you or you lose your train of thought. But I'm really glad you're here. Some of you know, especially those of you who listen to my podcast, that I've been on somewhat of a podcast sabbatical, and you don't even know that. I just kind of went dark. And um, one, uh, well, a couple of minister friends had reached out to me asking me why, and I just shared some things. I just needed to go dark for a season. And so, and I did. And I'm calling this today, it's called, uh, I'm calling this Baptism of Tears, The Factory and the Furnace. The Factory and the Furnace is more informative, but Baptism of Tears is is very, very very important. You know, at the beginning of 2020, we uh, I made I created a video. A friend of mine, you know, recorded and and you know, it was like a minute or so, and just a real brief what I was looking forward to in 2020. We'd kicked off the furnace. We'd met in coffee shops um, at that time. I don't know if we'd even met in a church yet. We were meeting in coffee shops at the time. Become very evangelistic, also just very different, very fun, very wild, and then. So I made this video that I released, I think, the first week of January last year, unable to see what was going to happen with COVID, amongst so many other things, because it's not just COVID. There's so many things culturally, politically, and it was just a wild year. Now, of course, the furnace was designed to be a, you know, a like extra local ministry. We wanted to meet anywhere, parks, houses, coffee shops. It didn't matter the venue, churches, it just didn't matter. And and great things were happening. Everything kind of got shut down. And so then I uh, did a lot of podcasting and still wrote some of my blogs. One of the blogs that I was most, most enjoyed last year that I wrote was called Cancel Culture. And I'd shared it a few different times just because as I was writing it, I mean, I just felt like I couldn't write fast enough. And so... It's not something that happened, but then <clears throat> during the year, um, a major blindside happened. Uh, just was completely blindsided. Something that I wasn't expecting. And one of the things about life is that we don't have a book that shares that says this is what you can expect, you know, to walk through in your lifetime. We know the scriptures. Sometimes we can quote the scriptures. We can confess scriptures. But there's something different about when you are walking through the fire. And I've walked through the fire in different seasons of my life. I've walked through different seasons of, of failure or just struggle, of just weakness. I'm a little in the negative sense now, or so to speak, when it's, when it's not really negative because we just go through things in life. And sometimes in church, we can paint a picture that everything's supposed to be hunky-dory, everything's fine, but it's not reality. We walk through things in this life. And... But I was just hunking around, having you know good old time, then trying to figure out how do we operate, uh, you know, out of lockdown. How do you operate out of quarantine? And you know, we don't, you know, what do you do? And so, of course, spent some time in prayer. And another thing about 2020 is I was stirred up about so many different things that that there were even some different opportunities that had presented themselves to me. 
that the Lord just never, you know, I never got the peace of God. And one of the things when I'm in a season of confusion or I don't know exactly which direction I should go, I don't know if any of you have ever been there before, uh, but, you know, you're trying to make a decision, you're trying to hear from the Lord. And, but if there's an absence of peace, then I'm not, I just can't pull the trigger and I can't move forward. So there's some things I longed to do, I desired to do, some things that were, I felt were kind of in my heart, but I just had no peace. Because I had no peace, I just didn't move on it. Because there was a lack of peace, you know, the Bible says uh, that his children are led by peace. And peace is a rare commodity today. And there are a lot of people that just don't have any peace. And, you know, listen, when you're going through fire and you're going through hell on earth, you need peace more than anything else. I love the scripture where it says in Philippians 4, it says that um, not to be worried or not to worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace will guard your heart. And so uh, he is the God of peace, and he can bring peace into any situation. We see this even when Jesus was on the boat, and he was asleep because Jesus isn't moved by the things that moved us. He's not moved by circumstances. He's not moved by even nature. So all the disciples are freaking out because of the storm. They thought they were going to drown. They wake him up. Master, do you not care that we're about to drown? And he just says, you know, what's, what's wrong with you? Oh, you have little faith. And then he rebuked the wind and the sea, everything calmed down, and everything was fine. So Jesus doesn't, you know, anyway, he, what an incredible demonstration of operating in perfect peace. The Bible says that he will keep in perfect peace the one whose heart is fixed or stayed on him. One of the greatest ways to get peace is to fix our thoughts and attention on him. So anyway, um, one curveball that came this year that we weren't expecting as a family, and I want to share this with you because is can minister to some of you. And I feel like 2020 for me was the year of tears. And I found myself just in a place of brokenness so much of 2020, broken over things that I was walking through in our family. I can't tell you how many times where it was at midnight and I just couldn't sleep. And I'd go to our living room, get on my knees and just begin to cry out to God. And I mean, cry out to God and just burning tears and just weeping over situations or circumstances, believing God to intervene, to protect, to move. And so, and and to be honest with you, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kicking off this our, this factory ministry school with this, uh, the first class is going to be called Teach Me to Pray, is also because it's something so fresh and so real for me because of 2020, all of 2020. And I felt like the Lord was just depositing some more things on the inside of me, and, you know, toward, especially towards the end of the year. A few months back, um, I don't know, four or five months ago, a, a huge shock came to our family. And, and Victoria's probably watching this right now and she's wanting me to communicate this. We had a huge shock when uh, Victoria started having seizures. So this is something I'm very unfamiliar with. Our family has by and large been very healthy I've never really had any issues, never really, you know, we've had other battles and other fights that other families can walk through, but this is something we'd never encountered before. I didn't know anything about seizures. I didn't know uh, anything about it at all. And <clears throat> went from being completely ignorant to rushing into the room to grab my daughter while she's having a seizure. Things that, of course, will absolutely crush and break your heart as a parent. And I know that some of you that are watching right now, you've walked through this, you've experienced these kind of things before. Some of you experienced even much worse. This was right here, it had taken the cake. 
And, and I felt like at the time I had been praying about certain things and trusting God for certain things, was believing God to move. And I had so much out there, but this just really like kind of took the wind out of me. It didn't sap me or rob me of my faith. It just brought me to such a place of brokenness. I don't know how to, to describe that. Even sometimes feeling just in despair and just so desperate for God to move. So those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, maybe some of you, I'm sure you can identify because some of you uh, probably experienced loss even last year. I have dear friends who experienced tremendous loss during COVID, losing you know, loved ones, family members. So it's just real. Pain is real. Tragedy is real. The unexpected is out there. And so in November, I felt like uh, in November, I think I had recorded my last podcast, my last episode for Randy in Real Life. But in November, um, our my daughter, Victoria, had her, it was her last seizure, actually, she's had. But I remember hearing it, and it woke me up early in the morning, and I rushed in there, and this was just the most, it was the most, one of the most brutal ones she had had. And so I'm, I grab her, and, and if you know when someone has a seizure that there's nothing you can do. You're completely helpless. And while I'm holding her this time, and I'd always was emotional anytime she had a seizure when I was there, but this particular one, it just utterly broke me. I mean, I'm just weeping while I'm holding her, and all I'm doing is speaking out her name. I love you, baby girl. You're, you're, you're okay. You're about to get through this. I'm praying my, my, my guts out. I'm just praying, you know, over her. And, and so while I'm sitting there sobbing, and there's an, there an, even an anger inside of me, angry at seizures, angry at the enemy, angry at the brokenness that's in this world through you know the fall of humanity, and broken over this, the reality of life. She's 18 years old, and this, I know, know this is affecting her. She's got her plans for her future, and now she can't drive. She's, you know, what is she going to do for school? And it's just over so overwhelming. And as she's starting to come to, and this is the first time she had done this, as she's beginning to wake up, her body was not, he hadn't even fully come to yet after the seizure. And she just begins to slowly and gently sob. And as she began to come to, she, she just cried even more. And I just held on to her and that just made me cry more. And we just had this moment. And so I helped walk her to my room. She gave me, and she got in my bed and I just she just cuddled. She laid on my arm, and I'm holding her. And and through my burning tears, I just said, "Baby, if there's anything I could do right now, I, if I could take your place, if I could take this from you, I would." I'm not going to go real deep right here, but I felt the Lord in that moment speak to me and said, "I already took it. I already took it." And I realized that through the cross, of course, He took our pain, He took our suffering, He took our shame, He took He took everything. And of course, I'm believing God to see the reality of that on my daughter. And, and that day was the climax for me. This is in November. And on that day in November, I cried about four hours. And you're like, why are you getting so sappy? You know, and I'm, listen, I hope all of you know, and if you can see me right now, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm filled with joy and peace and, you know, and I'm not shaken in my faith. I'm just want to be honest and, and just communicate because I know that so many of you, you walk through the same things too. And so many Christians, they do this whole fake it till you make it game. And there's not much transparency and we walk through things and people to know that we, when we walk through things that God is faithful. And I can't say enough about the outpouring of love and support 
from around the world that our family received, friends and people I had not heard from in a long time that were reaching out to me. In this, this dark night, you know, in this emotional night, I'd even reached out to a couple of friends at 2 a.m. writing emails, and they're just, you know, communicating back with me. We're standing with you. We're here for you. Endless phone calls daily, you know, how is Victoria? What's going on? But on this particular day, I cried about four hours. I couldn't have a conversation with hardly anybody. Um, it was just, it was too overwhelming. I think I almost lost my feed here on Facebook for a second. Anyway, but it was just almost too much, it felt like, to handle. And there's a verse of scripture that I want to share with you right now that, that, that has become life to me. And I feel like it can also be beneficial to some of you as well. And what I love is that we, we don't live in a fairy tale land. That we, some say that they cannot wait to get to heaven to the sweet by and by. And that sounds cute. But I've also heard this, that we need help in the nasty now and now. It's right here on this earth that we need help. We don't live in a fairy tale cookie cutter. When you read the word of God, there is no promise or guarantee that we're going to have a life free of pain. As a matter of fact, the word of God promises that we are going to experience suffering, persecution. We're going to walk through some things. I have grown closer to family and to the Lord when we walk through crisis. And, and that's just a beautiful thing. And I've read this verse before. And this verse is really, it leaped, it leapt out years ago. But I'm going to tell you what, it came in such a powerful way for me. Uh, you know, just recently, and it says this in Psalm 40. David said this, and, and could you imagine people trying to tell David, don't you write that down? Don't you share? David was so extremely vulnerable. Look, we get to read about David's life right now. His, his um, adulterous affair with Bathsheba, uh, having her husband murdered, you know, when, when he did things that, that he should not have done, when he lacked courage and didn't correct and discipline or rebuke his sons. And so there's a lot of things that we get to read about David. It's here for us to read. But the Bible says that David was also known as a man after God's own heart. And I don't know about you, but that's me. I want to I be a man after God's own heart. All right, listen here. It says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently. I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to break it down. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he reached down to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud, and he set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Here's some things that I take away from Psalm 40 that has ministered to me and that is still ministering to me right now. It says here, which I can tell you enough, how Psalms, you know, when the, the darkest seasons of my life, Psalms has been my go-to book. And he says, I waited patiently. And what that means is this is not, this does not mean quietness. This does not mean just silence. We know that's not what it means because it says here, it says that he heard my cry. But when he says I waited patiently, it literally means that he waited with intent, intently. He waited with expectation. There was an expectation while he waited there. He was able to be patient because he had an expectation that God was not going to abandon him, that God was not going to forget him. So therefore, he waited patiently for the God that he followed, for the God that he trusted in. He waited patiently 
for him. Every other measure had obviously been exhausted. There was nothing else he could do but to wait patiently. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he reached down to me. I want to tell you this, that this is so encouraging to my heart, that God, know this right here, that God is still reaching down to humanity. He is still reaching down to us in response to the cries of our heart. It says, he heard my cry. I take solace in this because I know the Lord heard four hours of my tears, and he heard weeks and months of tears at various times in the night where I couldn't sleep and was just trusting God and holding on to him for promises for my family, for my children. The Bible even says that there's a day coming in Revelation where God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And what I love most about that verse is it doesn't say that the angel of the Lord is going to wipe away every tear. He's not going to say, Gabriel, go wipe their tears. Hey, Michael, you go wipe their tears away. But it says that he himself, that he, God, is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's not one tear that will fall to the ground that doesn't affect the heart of our heavenly father. Matter of fact, you can't even have one of your hairs fall out from your head that he doesn't keep count of it. So he says here, he brought me up out of, and says here, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction. Sometimes I feel like God will allow us to get into such a situation and crisis where we ourselves and no other human being will be able to take credit for our rescue, but God himself. David here, he says, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction. This reminds me of how God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It says, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction. That literal word here for destruction could also mean wasteland, and it can also mean the underworld. So when you hear somebody says that they've just gone through all hell on earth, sometimes it feels like you're walking through hell on earth. Know this, that David said this. He said, if I make my bed in hell, God, you are there with me. There's no place that you could run to escape him, to escape from his presence. There's no crisis. There's no devastating place you can come to in life where the Lord cannot bring you up out of it. It says he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud, and he set my feet on a rock. Not only does he want to bring you up out of a crisis, but he wants to set you on solid ground, a place with sure footing, a place of incredible stability. And he says here, it says, making my footsteps firm, making my footsteps firm. Why? So that you don't go fall off and walk into the mud again, so that you don't trip. He made his footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Some of you out there, you're in a horrible pit of despair and destruction right now. And the reason why you're in the pit is not because it's this outside crisis, such as, you know, where they, they've said that my daughter has something spot on her left anterior lobe that's maybe an inch in there, uh, you know? And so not like for some people who have 
just got a report of cancer or that you just, you know, you're in a, a position of crisis, but maybe you're in a pit because of your own decisions. Maybe you're in a pit because of your own foolishness. And what the enemy would like to do is make us feel like, well, you know what? You did stupid things, so now you get to pay for it. And we buy into that lie, and so we just stay there in our pit of addictions and our pit of despair and bondage, and the whole time we could have freedom. Let me tell you this, and this is this is the truth right here. I was, um, I grew up in Baton Rouge, and when I was about, and, and you know, in the air, there was an era when we were younger where you can go and play all day, but you just better be home when the streetlights come on. And my mom would always say, be home when the streetlights come on. And I knew when I'm riding my bike, oh, I'm kicking in the high gear because I know at any minute that light's about to come on. Oh, no. And I, I wanted to make it home because, look, if that light comes on and then I pull right up in my, my yard, oh, I'm fixing to get it. And, and so when I was about eight years old or so, maybe nine my daddy said, I said, can I go play with, you know, my friend Corey? And he said, yep, but Randy, don't go to the bridge. Well, the bridge in Baton Rouge for us is in our street. And when we were younger, of course, we'd go crawl fishing down there. And we'd either take screen, you'd just steal a screen from one of your neighbors and tie some bacon to it and lower it in there. And, and look, this is, you know, we're like eight, nine and 10 years old. And we'd also want to, you can catch turtles out there. You just take little buckets, you know, those little ice cream buckets, those big ones. And, you know, you just try to scoop it and catch some crawfish and bring it home like you're going to do something with it. And, but he said, do not go to the bridge. And I said, okay, well, that's, that's, we had clubs down there. It was the place to go. So my friend's like, let's go to the bridge. And I said, well, my daddy said, I can't. He goes, oh, come on. He'll never find out. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So we go to the bridge While I'm at the bridge, um, we, we climb up under it, and all this beautiful water, I, I think I come to learn later on, it was uh, sewage, <laughs> and I didn't know that at the time. So my friend jumps from one rock to another, and he says, come on, man. So he's jumping over here and jumping over there, and there's no reason. You don't have to have reason as a kid, right, to do stupid stuff or just to play. So I jumped to another rock, and I saw a piece of wood, and when I jumped on the wood, what I didn't see was that there was a very large rusty nail. And when I jump, I landed, I'm not kidding you, on that nail with my heel, and it punctured. And it went through my shoe and punctured my foot. And it hurt. I think I was, I, was, I started laughing uh, because it hurt so bad, I couldn't even cry. I just started laughing. And I, I got off of it. Now, I'm a young kid. I don't know anything about, you know, needing a tetanus shot. I don't know any of this stuff. All I know is my daddy told me not to go to the bridge, and now I'm fixing to get beat. I'm fixing to get in trouble. I'm going to get punished. Oh, my gosh. I'm fearing the worst and because I'm busted. So I hobble home and managed to get inside with no one seeing me, ran and took a bath because I was scared, you know, and got out. Finally, it stops bleeding. It's in so, I'm in so much pain, it's hard to walk. A few hours later, we'd had supper, and I held everything in me. I'm making sure I can walk normal. And then I get in my room, then I'm on the ground <laughs> in pain. And my daddy says, Randy, come in here. I want to ask you a question. So I walk into the living room, and I'm fighting through it. And he says, is something wrong with you? I said, no, sir. I'm good. 
and I'm just totally giving myself away. And he says, are you sure? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I wasn't okay. And I get to my room later, and it hurt so bad that I could not handle the pain. And I, and, and I knew I need to go tell my daddy now. But the pain was so bad that I didn't care about any whipping I was going to get. So I go in the living room and said, Daddy? And he's like, what? What's wrong? And I said, I hurt myself today. And he goes, what did you do? I said, and I start crying. I went to the bridge and you told me not to, and I'm so sorry. And I jumped on a nail and he jumps up, grabs me. He says, baby, it's okay. And he kisses me and he's holding me and he carries me to the bathroom, takes my shoe off or uh, takes my sock off. And he was able to treat it and take care of it. Never heard any form of punishment, never heard any correction. You know, because I was feeling the correction already. I was pretty repentant. And you know what? It's so funny is that, you know, I could have allowed myself to say in guilt, shame, condemnation, and got a serious infection, and who knows what could have happened to my foot. Some of us out there, we make some decisions, and you get into a pit of despair in life, and you don't know how to climb out of it. And rather than going to your father and saying, I've made a horrible mistake, Father, I'm so sorry, and I'm, I've, I've, I've done, made this decision. I've allowed my feet to carry me places where I shouldn't have gone. And now I've gotten hurt and there's some infection in my life. There's some addiction in my life. There's some bondage in my life and allow him to wrap you up in his arms of mercy to pour out over you forgiveness and begin to take out and deal with the inner areas and inner places of your life to bring healing to you. And that's just something I want to encourage you with right there. He is a good good father. So this year, again, was a baptism of tears. And now, of course, uh, we feel much stronger in our faith right now. On Tuesday, Victoria has a appointment with the, um, she has another MRI. It's a very high level MRI, 3.1 is I think is what they called it. And then we're going to meet with the neurosurgeon after. You know, we're going to continue to do, we're going to continue to believe God that he is healing her. We're going to continue to believe God that he's going to touch her body. We're going to continue to believe God and speak over her future and to speak over her life and rally around her. Amen. And so, and I just want to appreciate and say to all of you, thank you who have prayed with us, stood with us and encouraged us through this season. So that's the baptism of tears. And, and I'll tell you this, that, that the Lord moves and he answers I just can't say that enough. He will answer your heart's cry. So I want to shift now, and we're going to go another direction real quick as I share with you about the factory and the furnace, some different things we're going to do. You know, my plan next week or the week after was to pull the trigger on the factory, which was going to be a, a private Facebook group where we were going to start doing some ministry to, uh, courses and some teachings, uh, strong teachings on prayer. And, you know, Facebook, not just that, and it doesn't matter what your political position is. We know that our country and social media and big tech, we're just in a different place right now. And so I have friends who have been, they've had their accounts even throttled. They've lost, I can't tell you how many followers on Twitter, different things that are getting shut down. It is no mystery that the conservative voice is under a major attack right now in the United States of America. There are also a lot of people that 
you're 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 quite conservative politically, but you don't really understand a biblical worldview. Also, or you don't understand the Christian worldview, and so. But we're just at a different. We're in a different season, and a different era. And not only that, but you know, it's easy to get online, and and you know, you can find yourself engaging with trolls or just engaging with backlash. And so there are a lot of things that I've held back on, even on Facebook. There are a lot of things that I've wanted to communicate on Facebook or Twitter, but I knew if I do this, who am I speaking to right now? And am I really speaking to my audience or is it just going to invite more of an attack? And my goal is not to be a provocateur. I could care less about being a provocateur, but there's some hard truth I feel like that does need to be communicated right now. And sometimes in Facebook, you're just preaching to the choir. And my goal is to really be able to equip people and encourage people. Sometimes Facebook really at best is just to, you know, just to upload a picture of what you had for supper tonight, you know, and of your favorite dish. And But I want to be able to engage and be able to help people in a more uh, systemic way, in a more strategic way this year and through the factory and also through the furnace. Now, let me just tell you about the, the, go back a little bit to the furnace. When we launched the furnace last year, we didn't, we weren't really sure exactly what it was going to look like. All I had was I had a burden to gather with a group of hungry people and seek the Lord and worship God with passion, preach the word of God and let the cards fall where they may and see God move on behalf of people. And you know what happened? We met in a coffee shop on multiple occasions, and we also met in churches. And when we were in the coffee shops, do you know what happened? It became very evangelistic. We was very, very vertical, but as we pressed into the things of God, there were so many things that happened prophetically that was ministering to people who were far from God or who were on the fringes or backslidden. And we saw God operating and moving in a significant way. When we would have a furnace meeting in a church, it also was very vertical, but what came out even prophetically was to encourage the body of Christ and encourage that local body. And so that's one of the things we've been really excited about with the furnace. We've had um, a meeting, I think, in early December or early November. I I can't remember. One of them was in Manny, Louisiana. It was absolutely powerful. We had another furnace meeting in Stonewall on New Year's Eve at Living Word Church. Extremely um, powerful. And so by by doing this, um, holding these furnace meetings, kicking them back off again, of course, we're in the season of COVID, has been the most encouraging thing for our team of people. Uh, One of the challenges, I'll tell you one of the challenges we had in just a minute, um, but we've had, definitely have had some challenges. Uh, For one, by having them in secular venues, uh, you encounter a different level of resistance. I don't know if you know this, but if you get around 100 people or so, or 130 people in a public venue uh, that's not, you know, run by believers, and you preach that a strong message about Jesus Christ, and he's the way, the truth, and life, and salvation, and God can deliver you and set you free from a number of things, perversions, addictions, you know, the enemy doesn't like that sometimes, and, and you get to see the after effects of that, and, and that's just a part of it. That's why we, we love those venues. But we even love the church more, especially for the furnace, for what it is, which is a prayer movement. Um, but, and by the way, in a little bit, we're going to do some, some Q&A. Uh, I was just asked to come to New Orleans, uh, to the New Orleans area by a dear friend of mine. 
and he's wanting to try to set something up for February. We can do it in a venue and or whatever kind of platform. So we'll see what kind of regulations are out there and we're going to figure out how to make that happen. The next thing is this, is that uh, going back to the factory is that one thing about doing a ministry course or class in a Facebook group is that when you do it in a Facebook group, it's not nearly as intuitive. It's it's a lot more complicated, uh, you know, as far as how you pin the videos and how people can engage and watch in those videos. Sometimes they get real mixed up, and so it's not that very intuitive. And then there's the other thing is, what if Facebook decides one day to just close it down completely? What if something happens like that? And so there's a much better way to do it uh, that's a lot cleaner, a lot more simplistic, and a lot more attractive. I also have some friends that are not on Facebook, and they've told me, I want to be a part of the factory, but I don't use Facebook. Is there any other kind of methodology you have? We have people that follow me on Instagram and on Twitter that are not on Facebook. And so what I've been doing, and I'm working with a friend of mine, and we're looking at a platform that I will possibly move my website to that will allow me to upload courses in there, and that way I can invite you to it, or all you have to do is create an email account, and then I can give you access where you can come and participate and download these courses and watch them on your phone, watch them on a tablet, or on your laptop. So we're looking at moving the factory and hosting it on that site, which would be a whole lot more intuitive, a whole lot better, and we don't have to worry about anything. And so if you want to come grow in your walk with God, then we're looking at hosting it there. And so I've paused. I was about to pull the trigger. I've already created a little private Facebook group for the factory, but I held back at the last minute again, especially after seeing so many people getting banned and kicked off and so many people being deactivated in the conservative movement. Now, a lot of you know me. I don't go real political. I believe that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, trumps all other kingdoms. And so that's just reality right there. And so in his kingdom, there's perfect peace. There is no other realm. There's no country, no nation, no government that has perfect peace. Also, we live in a country where people believe certain aspects of the Bible and they reject other aspects. And that also influences their worldview and how they perceive things culturally. We are increasingly moving into a culture that is um, is hostile towards Christianity. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this. One statistic that has been released recently from four very strong sources that are the strongest sources when it comes to um, articulating or communicating um, you know, stats like this is that 7 to 9% of America are what you would call evangelical born-again Christians. 7 to 9%, not 70% of our country. And when you understand that, when we understand that, then we can understand why we're seeing some of the things happen right now in the United States of America. It would not make sense if we were 70% Christian or even 40% Christian, but at 7 to 9% Christian, then it does make sense. Also, I don't believe that the way that we could advance the cause of Christ is by just arguing online politically. There's another way. There's a stronger way. And one way is that we have to become better disciples of Jesus Christ. We have to become better disciples in the kingdom of heaven. And because, again, the kingdom of heaven trumps every 
other kingdom. And there is a day coming where all nations and all kingdoms are going to submit and bow down to God. So, all right, let me try to get a little specific right here, and then we'll do some Q&A, and, and we'll go from there. So that's something I'm looking to do right now, and I'm working on it. I've written some things down here. So it'll be, uh, again, a new website, and, and that's where I'll begin to create some courses. Now, my desire is to have courses that are free, that are free as much as possible. There is a cost to all of this. There's a cost to every furnace meeting that we have. And one of the things that that I've never done well, really, as a matter of fact, I've actually am starting over with a lot of our podcast where I'm not going to be asking for support on my podcast. I'm just not. Hey, if you'd like to support Randy in real life, go to I'm not doing that anymore. So I'm cutting that out. And so because it I just I'm tired of hearing myself say it. Um, I've never preached for money never tried to get rich off of the gospel. Um, um, have <clears throat> With the things that I've been pretty weak in, being a charlatan is, is, not, is not something that I've been known to be, a money-hungry preacher. Matter of fact, the opposite is what I'm known for. I recently found a W-2 from when I was in ministry, um, and our family was a lot smaller and one of my W-2s, I, I looked at it, I couldn't believe it. And it says it wasn't even $12,000 for the year. And, and listen, we had a, a vibrant ministry at the time. And I remember telling my wife, we were, we were you know, just young and in ministry. And I said, we're never going to have money. But by the grace of God, we're going to reach a generation for Christ. And so, I, I mean, <laughs> I believe that. No one should go into the ministry so they can try to get rich. If so run away from them as fast as you can, right? There are some things that we are believing for, and I'll share this right here, and which will allow us to continue to do our furnace meetings. When we do a furnace meetings, um, usually it's uh, been me um, blessing uh, our worship team. We have a ministry team. We couldn't pull this off. A lot of them have done it just for free because there's not been anything there. Someone blessed us in a mighty way and allowed us to be able to go and get shirts for our first furnace meeting. And we were able to use them for a couple of them. Then I went and bought some more shirts just so we could make them available and we sell them at our furnace events. And there's a tremendous cost to it, of course. And I would love to be able to bless our worship team and our ministry team with the furnace. I would love to be able to um, secure the factory in an off-site from Facebook and on a, a new site that allows me to do these things, but they there is a cost to them that that I'm working to to cover, and so it just means that we would definitely need to have some support. So I will say this here, and this is how I'll close, and then we'll do some Q and A. That if you would like to support our ministry, it would be a tremendous blessing. I'm believing God for something personally that if if I can you know kind of hit this level then my goal will be to keep everything free. And also on this private site, I'm going to write blogs that I will not write on my public site. So it allows me to create a membership where you can come in there and you can be able to read certain things and hear certain things. A lot of my friends know, and even at our furnace meetings, there are times where I cut off the live video because some of the things that I'm going to say are strong. 
there are a number of things that I would like to have said on social media, and I've just restrained myself, and it took everything inside of me. And even my wife has said, you can't say that, don't say that. And she was so smart because I'm just going to stir up a hornet's nest for no reason. In this site that um, I've been looking at, I'm looking at two of them right now, it will allow me to write certain things, to create some other videos, as well as host our um, our classes, our courses on this site that you can have special access to and membership to. And so if you're out there and listen, if you're like, uh, man, you feel blessed by the ministry and you would love to be able to, so we already have people that 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 give towards the ministry that are already partnering with us on a monthly basis. And one thing I'm excited about to finally be able to do in 2021 is to be able to send some, um, some e-books, some content, and what I would love to do is be able to send physical copies of our books and even to send a shirt out at some point this year so that we're able to bless the people that are obviously blessing this ministry that help us to keep moving forward. But it's definitely time to go to a different level right now. And I want to be able to have our furnace meetings and, again, be able to bless our team. And every time we go to get down to New Orleans, to go up to Arkansas, to go to some different venues. And so really, really excited and to be able to give, again, free resources, videos, classes, and just content as well as there's some missionaries, some young missionaries that I've longed to be able to to bless also. Yes, there are some who charge $100 to $1,000 for their courses. What I would love to do is to do all of them for free. And what I would love to do is have it perpetual, where there are endless classes that get, uh, courses that get uploaded to this ministry site. And as well, I'd love to reach out to some of my close ministry friends that are powerhouses and ask them to do a course and be able to upload it in there as well, and then to be able to bless them for doing it. So this is a, a different way. And so this is more of a free will blessing. If you'd like to bless this ministry, you can. This is the strongest giving message you're going to hear from me in 2021, maybe ever. And so, but by sowing into our ministry, you're investing into the furnace, which we're believing God is going to continue to provoke the body of Christ, also to be able to go and reach the lost. You're also investing in the factory and will allow us this year to keep out, to begin to upload more resources, videos, classes, and content. I'm personally believing for 100 people that will partner with the ministry, and it doesn't matter if it's $5 a month or $25 a month or $500 a month. It doesn't matter what it is. Believe in God for 100 people to give, and then that'll also allow us to secure things and um and to have every, all the equipment that we need. We do have a, uh, if you would like to support it, you can do so by going to my website. And it's simply randygudo.com. There's an online giving button. We are a 501c3 or nonprofit um, organization, nonprofit ministry, which we know is also there's talks of what's going to happen to that in the future. But as the body of Christ, I mean, no, we don't operate by, by fear. We have to operate by faith. So you can go in there and you can give one time online when you hit that online button, or you can choose to give on a recurring basis. It's automatically set to only give one time, so you'd have to choose to do recurring. I didn't feel it was right to for people to feel like I tricked them into that. And so, um, and as soon as we get a little more support in, it will help me to go and secure this site again. I have a friend who's ready to pull the trigger and ready to help me get the site launched to move things over. 
And then we're going to start uploading content. I'm going to be doing a lot of recording, a lot of videos, and a lot of Q&As, a lot of, a lot of personal things right there. Well, thank you guys for, for jumping in here. Uh, just absolutely appreciate it. Um, there's also some different ministries that love for us to be involved. Yes, randygudo.com with one D in the Gudo. And uh, awesome. So we'll do maybe a little Q&A if y'all would want to right now. And it's I think it's snowing outside right here, so I'm fixing to go roll around in a little bit. Of course, I'm in Louisiana, so if I roll around, I'm going to get more mud on me than I am snow. Might not get any snow. The heat from my body may melt it. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mary. A blessing. Um, well, any any questions at all? Uh, I said uh, that we could talk about anything, even the state of the church, favorite secret recipes, which I won't do. It's good to see Roxanne here, my Canadian friend. We just love that family so much, the huggers. The Lord just blessed us by, um, I think the first time we connected, I was in Australia when they, the first time we actually connected. And, you know, Steve and Roxanne just have such a passionate love for the Lord. They're all their family does and was able to go up there and minister a couple of times in Ontario in Kincardine. And so just a very, very precious family. And has just walked with our family for so many years, too, and through so many different battles. So I just love you guys. And they're, just again, just a powerhouse. Phenomenal worshiper and teacher. So um, I don't know if there's a delay on here, but any questions? How about the politics of our country? And if you're, of course, still here on the podcast and listening, then if we get a question in, then I will read that question out loud and then answer. And if not, I'll just cut the podcast off here in a second. Then we'll just stay here on the live. All right. Um, I'll tell you this. We are planning our next furnace meeting right now. Again, in February, a friend's reached out and asked us to do one in South Louisiana. What we want to do is do one a month in the Shreveport region. And then we want to be able to go to different places as the Lord opens up a door or somebody reaches out to us. So we're going to really move quickly on the one in South Louisiana. And we also have been waiting to get back to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And so we have a good invitation there, but a lot of the churches there in, in serious lockdown uh, right now too. So we're just wanting... You know, waiting for them. So, okay, here's a good question from Roxanne. So many feel this is a setup for the mark of the beast. Do I agree? You know, I'm going to say this, that there are things that when I was younger, um, and I'm, I'm one of those that I believe the word of God is the word of God. It's infallible. It's true. There are no errors. It's divine. It's perfect. And I know probably everyone listening right now feels the same way. And, but there were things I just didn't, I couldn't understand how or see or know why. And um, in the last couple of years, uh, my mind has just been blown. One is how with our technology and with a cellular device, a smartphone or a tablet, we can be in touch with the entire world, like right then at that very moment. Things like what the Bible says that the two prophets are going to be killed and left in the streets for three days in the book of Revelations, and it says every eye is going to see them. I remember thinking, okay, but how? 
now I understand it. We know even on our phones that whenever they were, uh, they had the uh, the Coptic Christians in Egypt were murdered and beheaded, they showed it. It was streaming live. People were watching that. So we're just in a very different season. So I believe that, yes, I would say I can see this as a setup. Some say, is this the mark of the beast? And is the vaccine a mark of the beast? I absolutely don't believe that at all in no way, shape, or form. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that we're moving quickly to a place where I can see how it's going to be easy, a lot easier than I ever would have imagined to set it up. I mean, they're saying right now that it's possible that, you know, you won't be able to travel unless you've had um, received the COVID vaccine or, you know, or you might not be able to do certain things unless you can show that you had it and you can download that you had it on your phone or what have you. And so I do not believe that's the mark of the beast at all. I'm going to say that. But um, I can see how easy things are going to be able to be set up for it. It was a long answer, I know. Um, I love what Mary just said. I believe if we really are identifying with the kingdom of God and consider ourselves dead, we would not be living in offense. That's absolutely right. I agree with that, too. That's such a powerful statement, Mary. Yes, we know right now that everything within media is designed to move you and to keep you in offense, is to keep you completely angry. One thing that I think about when I look at all the politicians, I think every one of them has just had a meltdown. They all represent a bunch of babies to me, all of them. The way that a lot of politicians are behaving are the things that got me beat as a kid growing up by my mama. You know, she wouldn't tolerate these things. And so... I mean, it's just nuts. You know, it's just crazy. Uh, oh, I see. I want to say something right now that I shared with a, a, a real dear friend of mine. Uh, Jill Stockstill called me a couple nights ago, and we talked for a little while. And something that I feel is coming that I just, I don't know if I could share it right here. But I am going to share it soon. And, and our new platform is definitely an area where I would love to to share it. I'll just go ahead and say it. Okay. You know, no, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it. Let's just see. Anyway, hope you guys are doing great tonight. I know I've taken a lot of your time. We've been on here an hour-ish or over an hour. I don't know. But um, I'll say this. Okay, this is the non-political guy. Let me tell you my perspective. I remember, and and this isn't about... Trump, Biden, Democrat, Republican. I'm just going to tell you what I thought. I remember I was living in New York City when President Obama was elected as the president and prayed for him, and and he was not the candidate that I wanted to be elected, you know, because I'm staunchly pro-life, number one. Everything else, for me, I could care less what any of the issues are. I know a lot of people argue and say, well, you don't know if they're really pro-life, but for me— I'm going to probably choose and lean towards the candidate who says that he's pro-life but may not be versus the one who is saying, I want to murder more babies. So that's just my position. So there's a number of other issues. And to be honest with you, we all know that there's so much political garbage and bullcrap within the realm of politics that there's so many lies anyway. And most of the politicians never do come through on their promises. But I remember in 2016 when when, uh, President Trump was elected, I was up all night watching to see who was going to be elected. It was immediate hysteria, such as we have never seen in this country. We developed all kinds of names 
from 2016 on, right? We heard, was it, you know, there's snowflakes, then you got the never Trumpers, then you got, you know, all these different groups that came and, and we saw an unbelievable, crazy attack, you know, from, um, just so many different arenas. So then the hostility towards Trump and the hostility towards Trump supporters and and with people being mixed, you know, all across the board was so brutal in the media, every form of media, every form of media, social media, you know, a lot of the political pundits, the news anchors, every one of them. And I remember watching them thinking, gosh, I think every news anchor and every journalist needs a binky in their mouth right now. Gosh, can we get some mature people get in there and actually journal, do some journalism, you know, be a journalist. We didn't see that. We saw a lot of activists. It was just crazy. So then through a course of time, what did we see? Then you start seeing, so we got the far left that went nuts. Then you start seeing the far right where now they're getting activated because now they're angry and they're mad and they're furious and they've had enough. And so we've had so many years and, and of what, of just riots, you know, and peaceful protests that were anything but peaceful. And so it's just crazy. And no one on the left could call out anything like it was because to do so might validate maybe something on the, on the Republican side. And, you know, on the, on the, on the right side, they're not going to validate anything coming from the left because they're validating a lot of these liberals. So it's just back and forth. So you see the left immediately. Yes, that's really good. Psychological warfare is exactly what it is. So you see the left just go nuts and go crazy. And now you see the right. Now they're going nuts. Now they're crazy. And they're like, all right. And and through it all, my question has been like, where's the church? Where is the church? You know, where's the body of Christ? Who Who has an answer there? For the large part, the church has been asleep, a sleeping giant, though. And now, you know, through all the attack and the attack and the attack and the, the threats, now I'm going to tell you what I see happening. That seven to nine percent of legitimate born again, you know, Christians, they are getting woke and they're about to get woke. And when they get woke, you know, woke culture is just nuts, right? Woke culture wants to cancel everybody. Woke culture says you have to agree with me. What happens when woke Christians get up and they're armed with the love of God, the compassion of Jesus Christ? that they will not be deetered, and it doesn't matter. So, you know, when they try to get sucked into this thing, the that radical, activated, uh, activist, woke Christian that says, you will not stop me, and I'm not going to stop. Your homosexuality does not frighten me. Your tattoos do not frighten me. Your dreadlocks don't frighten me. The fact that you're a Democrat or Republican doesn't frighten me. You cannot stop the love of God that's fixing to get poured out over you. You cannot stop the power of the gospel that's going to come forth that can break chains of bondage and bring freedom and healing and deliverance into your life. I'm talking about woke Christians that are totally free of every form of legalism, but also not ensnared by the traps of the enemy. You know, they've come through the fire, they've come through it all, and they are woke. They are revived. They have been radicalized. See, a radicalized Christian, if you want to see a radicalized Christian, go to China. You know, when they started burning their churches down, when they started, 
murdering them, throwing them in prisons, maiming them, doing horrific things that they still do to this day. By the way, how has the Chinese propaganda people not been banned yet? Anyway, that's another story. And so go see how the Christians, what did they do? What are they saying? Go to Indonesia, the most hostile and largest Muslim nation on the planet. Go get around some of those woke Christians and find out how they function and how they operate and what consumes them. My gosh, I'm telling you, they are so filled with the spirit of the living God that it's just, it's, it's impressive. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. And I do believe we got, so we're in some dark days right here, dark, dark days in America in a lot of ways. But you know what? The darker it gets, the brighter his light is going to shine through his body. Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, but I will arise upon you and my light will be seen. So God's going to show himself off, not just through America, but he's going to show himself off through every nation that he chooses. Amen. So I hope you've enjoyed this little, this little hangout time and uh, great, great, great days are here. All right. So be praying for us. And again, we're believing God for that. We're believing God for a hundred people. They'll partner with us and, and it doesn't matter, um, you know, how small or great, it doesn't matter. And we are about to pull the trigger on some things, and and so that will require some support, but we are pumped about it. We're excited. Love you guys. You're going to begin to hear more about the furnace and the factory coming soon. Thanks for joining me, and thank you for listening here on the podcast. If you've made it to the end, I'm proud of you. Love you guys. Bye.